0: Hi, I'm Kim Carson,
1: and I'm Peter Klein,
0: and this is We Had No Idea
1: episode. I lost ten. Ten, right? Yes. Double
0: digits, boy. Because
1: last one was nine, so that that would make this one ten. Yeah, the the whole doubling up one really screwed up my count.
0: Yeah, for sure, because it's like, oh, it's only like week, I don't know,
1: eight one, or nine, and yeah. then
0: we're at <laughs> episode ten.
1: Yeah, really, Man. really messed me up. Yeah.
0: Numbers are hard. <laughs> Uh, we come to you from Mokinsis, and we acknowledge that we get the privilege of living and producing this show on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Tsuut'ina, the Yahe nakota Nations, the Métis Nation, Region 3, and all people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of southern Alberta.
1: Our sources for today, history.com, The Guardian, NBC News, a Port Arthur crime documentary on YouTube uh, presented by Viewmore, theage.com.au, smithsonianmag.com, news.com.au, and utas.edu.au.
0: Probably University of Tasmania.
1: That would make a lot of sense, yes.
0: So much sense. Yeah. Can I just throw in a little dumb thing here?
1: Uh, Of course you can.
0: Just always, I'm always on the quest to prove how stupid I actually am. (laughs) And I thought that everything was .ca when I was a kid. Really? Like, I would see .com and I'd be like, I don't understand that. And so now Mm. seeing all these sources that are .au, I'm like, Australia, it all makes sense.
1: Yeah. Do you remember, we never had it because it was America online, but you remember like when things would give out their website, it would be like, um, yeah, history.com or type in hit or AOL keyword history.
0: No, I don't remember
1: that. Oh, yeah. It, like, they, they would give out, like, two different, like, ways to find it. Weird. If you had AOL, I guess you had to, instead of just going history.com, you would have to type in its, like, AOL search name or whatever. Weird. Yeah, and I might I might even be wrong on that one. Like, this might be me in 2021 not really knowing how <laughs> AOL worked. Like, that, it could have just been Google, and they were just like, yeah, throw it in there. But right. that, that is absolutely something that I, I vividly remember – as a uh, as a kid.
0: I mean I didn't get access to internet till like two
1: thousand and two. I don't know when we had it. When we first had internet it was internet, it was super slow.
0: Yeah, yeah. We had dial up yeah. for I mean, all the time I, I was born, uh mm-hmm. I was raised in a barn, so <laughs> we, we never, had dial up for the whole time that I would lived in that barn.
1: We never had dial up. We, we we just while other people had dial up, we just didn't have internet and then Yeah. We transitioned to like actual internet when we You all would... city boy. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far.
0: <laughs> city of small towns.
1: Yes, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> all right. This isn't this is not a podcast about us. No. This is a podcast about how about stuff we don't know.
1: Yeah, this is basically so far, uh, through ten episodes been a podcast for the most part of bad people doing bad things. And that continues today.
0: Nothing has changed.
1: For at least the first part of it. Yeah. Yeah. The second part, like the back half, it's like things changed because a bad person did a bad thing. So totally, there's there's that. Did we say what
0: we're doing? Yeah. No,
1: no. Oh, uh, great, again.
0: great, great. So uh, we are going to talk about the Port Arthur massacre today. Yes, which. Um, we had on our list of podcast ideas just simply as Australia gun ban, so that really should describe how little we knew of this. Mm-hmm.
1: No, we said last week that the, the basically the extent of our knowledge on this was the Jim Jeffries stand up comedy special.
0: <laughs> so before we get started, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Ten episodes, double digits. It's so yeah. exciting. Thank you for downloading. For, you know, subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling your friends, telling your mom, telling acquaintances. We really appreciate it. Random
1: strangers on the street, those sorts of things. Just like, like yes.
0: standing on your rooftop and saying, mm-hmm. we had no idea. <laughs> Google it. Or AOL.com, we had no idea it. Yeah, it's
1: AOL <laughs> search word.
0: <laughs> Ask Jeeves about us.
1: <laughs> oh, Ask Jeeves was a good one.
0: The row back.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I, I suppose, but yes, thank you very much. It's really cool to see where we're at already, 10 episodes in. Um, mm-hmm. Quickly, it is we had no idea podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you want to email us anything, whether it be suggestions for shows or just comments, or we are on Instagram uh, at we had no idea podcast.
0: Woo, that's us. Yeah.
1: So, let's get into it. Uh, We will start with what actually is Port Arthur. Because again, going into this, it was just, well, there was a massacre and then they stopped having guns. So there's a lot of different aspects of this story that I don't really know about. For example, Port Arthur, which is located on the southeast side of the island of Tasmania, which is south of Melbourne. It began as a penal settlement in 1830. (laughs) I saw you had scripted LOL in there. I wasn't sure if you were going to actually or not. I
0: can't help myself. Penal settlement? Come on. And then then imagine that in an Australian accent. (laughs) All right, continue.
1: Um, So anyway, it was that kind of a settlement in 1830, (laughs) um, but not that. Anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it began as that in 1830. It was a labor prison system that held a key role in the colony's judicial system in until its closure in 1877. Subdivision and auctions sold off most of the establishments in the port area in the 1890s. Demolition and bushfires caused lots of infrastructure to disappear as well. Feels like a good time to note that there was a surplus of timber exported from here. Fires, timber, old-timey candle lamps, those sorts of things. You get it. Yeah.
0: There was fires. So right. The prison, penitentiary, and church were retained mostly because they were picturesque. And in 1916, they became part of Australia's first historical site. I don't want to say, well, maybe I'll, I'll keep it in first. I could only find one source that said it was the first historical site okay. in Australia. Um, but it did say first, so how I nice. Wonder,
1: I wonder what the decision-making process was. Like, how picturesque does something have to be for it to be retained so
0: i mean i like that, the pictures of it it's pretty friggin' nice
1: yeah picturesque even
0: picturesque like, yeah even? that's
1: nice that nah that one can go like that, that would be that would be an interesting decision making process right mm-hmm. in
0: 1971 the precinct was declared to be the port arthur historic site and is currently managed by the port arthur historic site management authority words S- words words
1: So, let's meet today's bad guy. Martin Bryant grew up in the town of Port Arthur, and a psychiatrist's report on him noted that upon leaving high school, he quote, "...couldn't read or write, does a bit of gardening and watches TV. Only his parents' efforts prevent further deterioration, could be schizophrenic, and parents face a bleak future." with him, so we're not exactly starting at the same starting block as everyone else. Not good. When Bryant was 19, he launched a lawn mowing service in Newtown, a suburb of Hobart, which is an hour and a half away from Port Arthur. While canvassing the neighborhood for new customers, he met 54-year-old Helen Harvey, who lives in a mansion with her mom. They were both recluses. She is an heiress to a gambling fortune, and the two quickly become close friends. When- I. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, you
1: go. I just want to say, I, I, I never did the, I'm making a lawn mowing company when I was a kid, uh, like that sort of thing. I just, yeah. I, I didn't want to do it. So, <laughs> Hard but labor, not I, different. right, exactly. But I, I can't imagine just like walking up to a mansion and yeah. just like, knock, knock, knock. Hey, can I mow your entire property? So that's, I, I don't know if he, he had an understanding that that would be a weird thing to do, but th- that struck me as a, huh. I, yeah. I would not have thought to do that.
0: Well, even like we're going to continue here with like the story of Helen Harvey and, and Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, But doing research for this, I was like, are we being punked? Like, th- this, this, this is, is a weird real. one. This yeah. is weird. All of it's weird. A forensic psychiatrist asked Bryant about the pair's curious relationship and he described Miss Harvey as having been his only real friend. So by the time she met Bryant... Uh, Helen's mental state had deteriorated over years of isolation. She kept roughly 40 cats scratching inside a large garage with 14 dogs enjoying the run of the house. Her mother, who also lived in this mansion, slept in the kitchen among piles of filth. She had a broken hip, which went undiagnosed for years. An anonymous person reported the Harveys to the health authorities, and in 1990, Helen's mother died from numerous underlying issues." Long story short on these two, they start blowing away Helen's fortune on cars, lavish meals and items, and eventually move to a dilapidated farm property, and Helen redoes her will to leave everything to Martin. He stays on disability pay. That's why there's all these, like, psychiatrist assessments of him before Mm -hmm. and after, um the massacre um, so he stays on disability and has to go for these assessments every so often to keep the payments coming and in one assessment it's reported that Martin felt his father protected him and kept him safe while he continually he continually threatened violence he wanted to go around shooting people and it would be unsafe to let Martin out of his parents control great right moving to a farm made him even more erratic uh, I was raised on an acreage and it was like peaceful but you for sure feel like kind of scared and paranoid over every little thing um so add on possibly being schizophrenic and having way too many guns and i i'd say that conditions were right to be awful
1: it certainly seems like it yes in late 1992 helen and martin got into a car accident and helen died on scene there is speculation that while they were driving around just every so often, he would just randomly take the steering wheel from her. It would lead to a couple of like minor accidents and there is a lot of speculation that it led to this major one, although charges were never laid. Uh, So we start to see where things would go bad for him as he had lost who he thought was his only friend and now he's got a whack load of money. Mm -hmm. Following this in August of 1993, Brian's father goes to care for the farm and eventually takes his own life while Martin is back at his childhood home. So you, you are starting to see where things are going to go poorly as you have this person who is his only friend and A person who several experts say, don't let these two get split up, being his father and him, Mm -hmm. or else bad things are going to happen. And then he loses them both in in rather quick succession.
0: Right. And in our research, we never found anything saying that he was getting medication, getting any kind of help. So unchecked mental illness, trauma is happening. Mm -hmm. He likes guns and there's not a lot of regulations at this point. Like it really is... the, I hate to say the perfect storm, yeah. because that makes it seem like a good thing, and it's very, very bad. It's at this point we assume he starts stockpiling weapons and slipping more into a very unhealthy mental state. He planned the massacre in his hometown of Port Arthur after the Dunblane Massacre, which was a shooting at a primary school in the UK uh, on March 13th of 1996. Uh, someone opened fire, killing 16, 5, and 6-year-olds, as well as the teacher, it was reported that Martin had been considering suicide before the Dunblane incident and that changed his mind. Martin reportedly told neighbors um, that he was following this and that maybe he would do something so people would remember him.
1: That That is one of the things and it, it's something that gets talked about in media circles a fair amount is not glorifying too much the actions of people mm-hmm. who do these things because that one of the, the things that he noted is that he kind of wanted to be remembered along those same lines instead of just someone who killed himself. Right. On April 28th, 1996, so about five, six weeks after the the massacre in the UK, Bryant began his day by killing an elderly couple who were the owners of Port Arthur's Seascape Guest House. Some believe that the killings were Bryant's retaliation for the owners refusing to sell his father the guest house. It was maybe thought that Martin's father committed suicide because of this refusal to sell, but, I mean, you can't necessarily prove that.
0: Yeah. After having lunch at the Broad Arrow Cafe located at the site of the historic Port Arthur Prison Colony, Martin entered the restaurant, removed an AR-15 rifle from his bag, and began shooting. After killing 22 people in rapid succession, he left the restaurant for the parking lot, where he continued his shooting spree, killing the drivers of two tour buses, some of their passengers, and a mother and her two small children uh, in the dock that we watched on YouTube the mother and her kids were actually part of a larger group. So people heard the the gun going off and some of the people that were working at the Port Arthur uh, prison colony at the time kind of like gathered, you know, the tourists up and everything and they were taking them to the parsonage um, on the historic site. And this mother was desperate to get her kids out. She was very scared. There's like a gun going off and people are dead. Um, so she ran back down to her car, but in the parking lot where martin was yeah
1: that's so sad. oh it's heartbreaking yeah on his way out of the parking lot uh martin shot four more and drove a car to a nearby gas station where he shot one woman and took a man hostage
0: by putting him in the boot of his own car the boot the boot yeah technical oh. term this is an australian story oh okay Sorry. so we can't just say the trunk okay. it's the boot and the bonnet boy
1: sure all right
0: (laughs) what a bad time to make a joke
1: yeah so hostage taken he then drives to the seascape guest house there is an 18 hour standoff with police they have him on the phone for a while and one of the things they said in the documentary was the the way his mental state was and the way they were talking they couldn't even tell that he knew what had just happened
0: Mm. and then
1: he would just randomly leave like oh i'm sorry i can't talk anymore i need to make this person breakfast just absolutely perplexing for investigators eventually bryant sets fire to the guest house this was thought to be a tactic for firefighters and police officers to come in and then ambush him
0: and then he would ambush them yes
1: yeah sorry and he would ambush them
0: yeah Uh, officers didn't really know the level at which the shooter was operating information was kind of trickling into them so the first officers on the scene didn't realize the danger they were in Um, after the fire was set though it burned quickly so no one got the chance to go in um, before martin ran out Uh, his hostage had been found to have been killed before the fire was even set
1: It was reported that not only did he set the place on fire he also set himself on fire and so former special operations group commander hank timmerman said that his clothes were burning so when he came running out they had to extinguish him before they could arrest him the carnage was so bad that everyone who had anything to do with the attack like hundreds of police officers journalists tourists witnesses all of them they all required counseling. Initially, Bryant pled not guilty to the 35 murders, but he changed his plea and was sentenced to 35 consecutive life sentences. And there is a note saying, nope, I, I believe the exact term is no parole for 1600 years. Yeah. Um, so they're making sure that he is not leaving. I do want to note though, uh, something I found in my research, apparently while he has been in prison, he had to go get like cataracts work done mm-hmm. and they, the medical facility that they went to do that in opened at five in the morning, the guards took him there, he had it done and then left. Like they want this guy dealing with as little, as right. few people as possible.
0: Wow. Wow. A forensic psychologist examined Brian after the massacre and concluded he was borderline intellectually disabled. His IQ was equivalent to that of an 11-year-old. After the massacre, the recently elected coalition federal government decided to work towards uh, engaging the states and territories of Australia to enact identical gun laws. This move was an attempt to ensure that there would never again be an event like Port Arthur. Um, At the time, Tasmania was said to have the weakest gun laws in the
1: country. The Australian government would introduce the National Firearms Agreement, legislation that outlawed automatic and semi-automatic rifles as well as pump-action shotguns. A nationwide gun buyback scheme was also uh, implemented and it saw 700,000 weapons legal and otherwise turned into the authorities and destroyed. This apparently cost the Australian government 350 million dollars
0: i want to say though i think that a gun buyback is a phenomenal idea
1: it, it anytime that there's gun laws being suggested it is something that is is absolutely brought up and i, I think yeah it, it seems instead of just rating through and oh, that is ours now th- yeah. this seems like a, a much um much better compromise yes totally yeah
0: uh these measures were unpopular i mean <laughs> with some people. Right. Like conservative state governments and were opposed by gun owners, a large number of whom had voted for the coalition due to its previous support of gun lobbying. Uh, Prime Minister Howard proposed each state and territory should introduce and enforce a firearm licensing and registration system requiring people to take mandatory safety courses and have a genuine reason for having a firearm, uh, such as sport or target shooting, recreational hunting, or being a farmer. Uh, The claim of personal protection would not count as a genuine reason. I'm just having flashbacks to the Jim Jeffries. Yeah. uh (laughs) Yeah. comedy sketch right now, Uh, all states would also ban automatic and semi-automatic long guns.
1: So Prime Minister Howard again faced political and public resistance to this. After just three months as the country's leader, he wore a bulletproof vest as he addressed a 3,000 person crowd opposed to the reforms. There have been no mass shootings since Port Arthur In the 20 years before it, there were 13. The number of deaths by gunshot wound, which was already declining at a rate of 3% a year before the reforms, declined at a rate of 6% a year post-1996. Which would be 1997.
0: Whoa. Research in 2010 found the buyback cut the rate of firearm suicides by 74% in the first 10 years, saving an approximate 200 lives a year. There are now more than 3.2 million registered firearms in Australia, just shy of one for every eight people, which I think is a great statistic if you are like super pro-gun and you're like, don't take my guns. It's like, well, they have strict reg- they have strict- laws about it and there still is a shit ton of guns in australia yes i don't think that rules are that bad
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh the cafe has been turned into a ruin tucked behind a hedge forming a memorial garden that is actually quite tough to see. A hardwood cross stands before the cliff face where it was placed by locals a few days after the murders. It has a long brass plaque listing the 35 names of the victims. Every year on April 28th, a small group lays a wreath before it and stands in silence at 1.35. As for Martin, there were a couple of stories written on him and that is where the .AUs come in for Mm -hmm. a lot of these. They don't view this guy in the highest of regards. Don't blame him. Well, no, fair. Um, But it it seems like with... Maybe this is definitely just anecdotal. But it does seem like with uh, a number of other perpetrators of horrific incidents throughout history... I don't wanna like that no one's apologizing for them or anything like that, but there there isn't as much, quite frankly, fuck this guy, as there was in the reporting of this. Um, there are a number of stories of how poorly Martin is doing mm-hmm. in prison. It is said that he is a shambolic wreck who no longer interacts with other inmates, he doesn't open letters, and he is serving his punishment in his way in a way that is far worse than the death penalty. Mm-hmm. There was a, a quote from a story that I read from his mom who said, like, he doesn't even talk to me. He'll just, we'll just go there and he'll just sit for 15 minutes staring blankly at yeah. me. And th- there were some stories of guards saying, like, he'll just stare off into the distance, but then all of a sudden he'll just lock eyes on one of the guards and it'll scare the hell out of him, and rightfully so. Uh, but yeah, th- this, is, this is someone who is not having a great time um, serving What is still the first of 35 life sentences.
0: I found this one kind of hard to talk about because, you know, we just did the story about the Oklahoma City bomber and Mm -hmm. Timothy McVeigh was just kind of a fucking asshole and he got the death penalty and that's that. But it's really hard to talk about this case because while this guy did something horrific to people who we're just innocent people, wrong place, wrong time. But to put him on the same level as the Oklahoma Oklahoma City bomber um feels not right because of the mental health mm. issues that he had. So just a side note, um if you feel like you have mental health issues, um There are tons of resources in the city we live in and throughout Canada. Um, If you're listening somewhere else, just a quick Google search of mental health resources followed by your city name will, I think, be a lot more helpful than, um, you know, buying a gun and hurting other people.
1: You don't know, like, how much he understands of what he did, but he also did something very, very awful. And Mm -hmm. there are people who are going through various degrees of mental health issues that don't just grab a gun and kill 35 yeah. people um so yes no it, it was a tricky thing to discuss going into it the the thing that kind of struck me about this was just how random it all seemed and yeah. a- as you go through the backstory you you start to see that there's a couple trigger events that, yeah. that w- kind of led to this but for the most part like it wasn't it wasn't, okay, I'm going to, to blow up a government building to show, to to start a revolution about how bad the government is. This was, okay, well, you guys didn't sell us a house one time, so I'm going to start with you. And then I'm just going to go until I get caught. And, and it just, it was just so, everything about it was just so random and so senseless. And yeah. it, it's.
0: I think that's, that's part of the reason that it's so sad. Yeah. It just was like. Yeah, like, wrong place, wrong time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some people that day were like, let's go to Port Arthur. And then their kids were like, we don't want to go see an old building. Like, let's go to the forest instead or, like, whatever kids are into. Yeah. And they didn't get shot that day. Right. Oh
1: Yeah. No, it's, it, it, is, it is heartbreaking. It, it really, really is. And... <sighs> yeah. Yeah. No. So just you, a just a sad one. And I appreciate the quick response from the government. It was just three months, and then it was just like, okay, this is done. This is done. This is done. Like they they just it, they reacted very quickly and aggressively to it. And yeah. And I
0: think that we can't really downplay either the fact that this government had been voted in, and a lot of their supporters were conservative, pro gun. Hmm. But for them to turn around and be like, no, 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 we we don't want this to happen again. And we are going to offer you some money to take your guns, but we are going to take your guns and there's going to be laws that, you know, there was like the, there was a 28 day like cooling period Mm -hmm. for after you get a gun license, you have to take the safety courses. Like, I honestly don't think that the laws that were put in are unreasonable. I think that they are like the base amount of reasonable, (laughs) (laughs) like have some gun safety and have a mental health check and i think that that's a big one that came out of this is that you just have to know or you can't just hoard guns and have a bunch of guns and yeah it it was all very reasonable and very fast and i yeah i don't want to downplay the fact that this government did that
1: yeah and it does seem like the the responsible gun owner can still have a gun like that that is Mm -hmm. the the people who want to have guns like you you, there is still a process to go through and it just it stops quite frankly people like this from getting them and that's i think what kind of the message should be is Mm -hmm. that like if you feel you need to have a gun then go through the proper steps and get one fine by all means yeah but just it it shouldn't be so easy that someone who is like throughout his entire life said to have mentally ill yeah seemed to have a number of different issues it probably shouldn't have a gun yeah and so yeah
0: especially not like like i'm i know that we've said it like a hundred times just go and watch the jim Jeffries gun control bit it is he makes honestly some very good points (laughs) and it's hilarious right but he he has a line in there that um that resonates with this story of having a good reason to have a gun and that your personal protection is not a good reason, and Jim Jeffries says the line of, "Well, they're not called protection rifles; mm-hmm. <laughs> they're called assault rifles." Yeah. and so those were made illegal for obvious reasons.
1: Right, exactly. So that that is the story behind how Australia got to their gun ban. Um, it, it was another one that, uh, again, it's the, the title of the show, but I had no idea. We collectively about had no idea of this. Yeah, no, I like we said at the beginning. I knew that there was a shooting. I know that after that they made gun laws about it. And I know Jim Jeffries made some jokes about it. That was all I knew. So all of this was brand new information to me. And the story at the beginning about how he befriended this millionaire and Mm -hmm. might have killed her uh, is, it was just absolutely mind-boggling to go through all of this.
0: Yeah. So what are we going to talk about next?
1: Next week we are going to do the Berlin Wall uh th- this is another one that i i know that it existed i'm fairly confident that it doesn't anymore <laughs> and i am aware that a president made a rather impassioned statement to bring down that wall and aside from that i got Spoiler nothing alert. so yeah sorry um <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm looking forward. This is something that I, even if we weren't doing a podcast, this is something that I genuinely want to learn about. So I, I'm excited to, to do some learning this upcoming week.
0: Ooh, me too. Well, thank you for downloading, listening. And uh, continue to, please, as we move <laughs> on to episode 11. Uh, if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes, if you want to say hi, if you're feeling lonely and you want to chat, you can always send us an email to wehadnoideapodcast at gmail.com or you could slide into our DMs on Instagram at podcast. That's all I got. All right. That's a wrap, boy. Bye.